0: Welcome to the Spring 4th Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made for January 13th, 2021. and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life he said to him what is written in the law how do you read it and he answered you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself he said to him you have answered correctly do this and you will live but he Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Early into my pastorate at First Congregational, it was about six months in, the attack on the trade towers took place. I remember receiving the phone call from my family, and they said, are you watching? What's going on? I said, what do you mean? They said, there's jets flying into the Twin Towers in New York City. I quick tuned in to the news And watched as many others did, trying to process what what is this? Is this our, is this my generation's Pearl Harbor? What is what is this? In the ensuing days after that incident church filled up I saw faces I saw faces that I didn't even know I think people just like came to town to find a church to go to church was packed it was like Easter Sunday there was a hunger for answers naturally I mean, your basic answers, who did it, how long was this planned, what's going on, but there was a hunger for moving forward. How can we move forward? How will we move forward? What, what does God have to say about these things? I don't even remember what I said at the time. I, that's before we started recording messages sure it was some collection of platitudes for the moment. Prayers for support and encouragement, uh, call for solidarity, the usual talking points. I was also much younger in the ministry too, and so new in the call. I had to tread very carefully so as to not make the congregation feel like, uh-oh, we made a mistake. We called this guy, and he is not good. Not, he's not helpful. He's he's way, way out of bounds. I mean, we're all dealing with it as a people, trying to process and grow and trying to see where our faith settled down in the midst of all of that. Some of those who were alive during the time of Pearl Harbor had described a similar feeling of being ill at ease. Almost sort of like a visceral remembrance of that incident and then the Trade Towers. I remember that we sat the youth group down, the then youth group. And we we sat them down, we plied them with snacks, and we said, we just want to have a clearinghouse. We just want to sit down and find out where you're at. See what you're feeling. See if there's any questions that we might be able to wrestle with together as a group. And in our conversation, I remember one very astute individual who says, Pastor, no offense, but we're not really feeling anything. We don't really feel connected with those people in New York. We've not been to New York. We don't really have the same understanding of what it must be like to be on their city streets he was speaking very pragmatically i live in iowa i live in small town iowa that's new york city that can that's like across the world to me i think as the adult forum leaders we were trying to get them to see our cohesion as americans right the united in states and they and this was before social media this predated all that facebook was still just brewing somewhere in a man's mind it hadn't even come to fruition so at least another three years off but that answer in such raw authenticity demonstrated to us that we have been on the trajectory of a disconnect for quite some time. That certain aspects, culturally, politically, socially, we have grown to such exponential size that we can only really manage an emotional footprint of our immediate surroundings. This passage that I shared from Luke, it is the prelude to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And the verses that I shared are 25 through 29. We have an individual who stands up and wants, really desires, just hungers for a clean-cut answer on how to get to eternal life. I've been on this path. I think I'm making the right connections. I think I'm leaning in the right direction, but I have this greater rabbi, Jesus. He carries some weight. He is right here. Let me ask him a question, just to make sure that I have my bearings. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now Jesus, from what we know about Jesus, probably already perceives the thrust of the question, already understands where this man is coming from. And probably knows that a teaching moment is only a few moments away. But he flips the question back on him. He's like, well, you've you've read your scriptures, you've read the law. What do you find there? Why don't you tell me your thoughts on it. The man says, love God with all of your heart and all of your strength and all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. This is, yeah, that's that's good. That's a good answer. Love God deeply with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor as yourself. See, it was at this point where you cue the music, boop, boop, and... The man exits the scene, but he's a feisty one this guy, and he doesn't go quietly. For Luke says, and wanting to justify himself, he then asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? at this point that jesus goes into the telling of the good samaritan passage but that question and who is my neighbor is what we have to deal with right now because it's a tough question if you want to look at it geographically like who is your geographic neighbor who is the person who shares property lines with you when we can look at it in that context in In the old days, when you'd move into the suburbs and you were fortunate enough to be able to get your house, you didn't really know who was living next door. You met them at a point. Maybe you had good relationships with them. Maybe you shared lawn instruments and gardening tools and gardening techniques. Maybe they had an annoying dog that barked all the time and you're just like... God bless it! That animal needs to quiet down! Maybe as soon as you moved in, the neighbor next door left their house for health reasons or they got a new job and you never really got to know them and somebody else moved in. I grew up in a very fraternal neighborhood all the kids were very close similar in age families similar sort of work life balance and during the summer we would fill the streets with everything from stickball to kickball to riding our bicycles we had a creek that ran through the neighborhood and we'd constantly be coming back with various levels of mud on us as we would Splash and fish and go on adventure hikes. Conquering the neighborhood. All races and faiths. We even had some deaf children that lived in our neighborhood. So we had a variety of individuals to interact with. And for the most part, we got along. Now, that probably still exists. But the notion of neighborhoods has changed now. We have this thing, you know, I saw my first gated community when I was a young pastor in Los Angeles. I was a chaplain of a school there and the students were from very well-to-do homes and one day a student needed a ride home and he asked if I could take him home it was just oh not more than about maybe 15-20 minutes drives from the school very very fine neighborhood you get there and the first thing that you notice is that there is a a guard posted on duty I said, what's, I said, wait, what is this? He says, he goes, never mind. He goes, just pull up, just pull up to the gate. He goes, I'll talk to the guard. And I was like, you'll talk to the guard? I said, this is how you, this is how you come and go home? You, you live behind this, this locked gate? He didn't think anything of it. It's just no, no big deal. No big deal. He went up to the guard. He leans over. They have a pleasant exchange. Guy hits the button, the gate lifts. In we go. Homes like you've never seen homes before. Nice homes. Nice homes on generous uh, parcels of ground. A rather comfortable existence. So I got my taste of these gated communities these gated residential areas when i was serving in los angeles i didn't i didn't see that they didn't have that kind of stuff at the time when i was growing up in anchorage but as time has unfolded i see that these sorts of residential enclaves are becoming more fashionable or the retreat as I have done, guilty as charged as I have done, the retreat to the country where you go and you get yourself a parcel and you tuck your house far back off the road. So I get it, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm living that. I get that. But I do know who my neighbors are. I actually even know how my neighbors vote. Interesting. But here's the thing. This notion of, and who is my neighbor is, it's a question that we need to unfold because we are beginning to devour one another. We become slaves to our polarity slaves to our ideologies, slaves slaves to social media and I've I think there's there's a very strong similarity between that young lawyer who truly wanted to inherit eternal life, but he was hoping that Jesus was going to say, and your neighbor is whoever you get down with. Your neighbor is whoever shares your views. Your neighbor is anyone who does not annoy you, anyone who does not test your patience. Your neighbor is a select group of individuals that live in accordance with your truth. But Jesus is like, oh, you want to set me up about who is your neighbor? Great. Let me tell you an outlandish story about the most unlikely hero who comes to your aid. That is the parable of the Good Samaritan is the most unlikely hero that comes to the aid of the man who was left for dead. While the so-called deserving individuals walked on by, they just kept on going, didn't really happen to stop at all. I think we need to go back to formula. I think we need to go back to formula for rebuilding our understanding of community. We may not have a choice about whether or not we're going to willingly divest from social media. It might actually just get ripped from us. Because we've abused the privilege. We got too carried away in our passion and in our zeal that we, at the party came to an end. It would have been nice if it could have been our choice. It would have been nice for us to say, you know what, I'm going to go outside and... going to call my friend. I'm going to watch a comedy film, listen to a good piece of music, maybe even write a piece of music. Try my hand at painting. Love somebody. Adopt a pet. Distract myself with something pleasant, like learn how to garden. Learn how to identify the trees of the forest, birds of the air. Take on some incredibly noble work where we volunteer at a shelter house for those who are without a home. When Jesus reflects back the possibility that our neighbor is quite possibly someone across that metaphorical aisle from us, He brings a stinging rebuke to our insular nation and to our insular attitude. And it harkens back, well, actually projects forward to the poem by John Donne that no man is an island. We could update the language that no individual is an island. We are all interconnected in some way, but... Only if we want to see our interconnectivity. If we don't wish to see it. If we reject it. If we hands down dismiss it. Then it's gone. It will never exist. It will never be a possibility for us. A lot of folks tuned in on January 10th for our worship feed because it was like another September 11th. What words of hope, what words of comfort, what words of direction can pastor or pastors across the nation bring to us? Will we hear something that will allow us to rethink the issue or will we resolve to believe what we want to believe and reject this pursuit of rediscovering our neighbor I don't want us to feel that that the United in the name of our country is optional. That you can just lump that off and just call it States of America. United, if you choose. The United is a very strong component. It's what holds the fabric together. It's what reminds us of what's supposed to be our pursuit. And who is my neighbor and what do we owe them? What do we owe our neighbor? It's a terrible thing when there is so much that needs to be said and no way to say it, no way to frame the words, no way to have the conversation. but we must at least start thinking in that direction. Deeds follow thoughts. Deeds follow thoughts. If we can start thinking in that direction of who is my neighbor, and we have a desire to pursue the answer to that question, deeds will follow that desire. But if our neighbor is only an object, an obstacle that we must overcome, an impediment towards the world that we want, then different deeds will follow different thoughts. Please know, as I've said before, almost a worn-out tired phrase, that you are not alone. That God endures with you, wrestles alongside you, and will bless your journey. I don't believe it's too late for us to understand what it is that makes us so upset. The question is, do we want to have that conversation with one another? Are we ready to listen to someone when they share their grievance with us? Are we ready to really listen and say, tell me what it's like to be you? because I don't know. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for, well, at least this day. You've given us this day. We ask that you would help us to go back to formula, to think about neighborliness in that spiritual sense to press as hard as we can to build a community to build a community where a variety of voices can and will be heard can't do it alone. We've felt so alone, so alone in responding to the pandemic, so alone in trying to find our way on what's best for our families. we felt so alone in our hurts and grievances, we feel like nobody cares, nobody understands us. We've even felt isolated by you. Hurt by your ministers church leaders. I feel like they're taking us for a ride and they're handling us, you know, for their own self preservation. Our hope is that you will speak clearly to us, that you will break through the haze, the hurt. You will just open us up. We trust you. Seems that there's little else. The ground that we stand on is constantly shifting. So give us some stability. measures of patience help us to be your people we ask these things in Jesus name